Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our scripture this morning comes from the 13th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. I'm going to be reading verses 18 through 23. Uh, Last week we read the parable of the sower, and this week we get the explanation of that parable. So as we come to this passage, let us first join together in prayer. Gracious God, your word, your word for us is life. Your word for us is hope. So we pray, O God, that you would speak to us. Whisper your wisdom in these moments. We are here, O God. We are listening. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Listen for God's word for us. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. And as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what is sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what is sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruits and yields, in one case hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. You know, human beings, we... We live our lives shaped by a story, a narrative. We choose a narrative to make sense and provide guidance in a confusing and seemingly scattered life. We choose a narrative, a story to teach us what it means to be a human being, what it means to be real. Jesus was a storyteller. And his stories teach us what it is to be human. His stories were rich in meaning, and over the centuries, over the centuries, followers have launched varied and diverse interpretations of exactly what these stories teach us, and we are joining that centuries-old conversation as we draw ourselves to these familiar stories again. 
This first parable, the parable of the sower, it confused Jesus's followers. They couldn't determine exactly what he was talking about. So Jesus says, all right, guys, gather around. Here's what the story means. Said the seed is the word, the gospel, the faith. And people who don't understand it, well, the devil comes and snatches it away. And the weeds, that's that's wealth and status in life, and that chokes out the gospel and so on. He explains that to them. It's like Jesus has a little book club discussion about the parable. But for us, that raises a question. If the parable couldn't be understood, it had to be explained. First of all, that's probably like a joke, right? If it has to be explained, it's not good. If the parable can't be understood and it has to be explained, why did the gospel writers give us the parable? Why didn't they just give us the explanation? Well, here's what I think. I think the parable and the explanation of the parable are actually two different stories. They offer two different meanings. Uh, last Sunday, we considered the parable of the sower, and we said the, the, the obvious point of the parable is that this sower scatters the seed anywhere and everywhere. It doesn't matter where. He, in the middle of the road, he sows seed. In the middle of the weeds, he sows seed. On rocky ground, he sows seed. It, do, it doesn't matter. The seed is a metaphor for faith or the word or gospel. And this sower demonstrates that there's no circumstance, there's no situation, there's no moment where the gospel should not be trusted. Sow it everywhere. Oh, in, in real life farming, a good farmer can tell what's good soil and what's not. But with the gospel, it's not always so obvious to see where the good soil might be. So just sow it anywhere and everywhere. Trust it all the time. If I understand it, that's the message that Jesus was giving in the parable. But in the explanation, the message shifts a bit. The camera lens swings from the focusing on the seed to focusing on the soils. And it matters what kind of soil we are. Jesus is an honest storyteller. And in this explanation, he says... To trust the seed in every circumstance, it's not going to always be easy because there are voices, there are powers, there are realities in the world that call the gospel into question, that make us wonder if it can really be trusted. Now, when Jesus gives this explanation, it makes it sound like there, there are some people who are footpath people. You know who they are. There, there, there are some people who are, are the rocky soil. You know who they are. There's some people who are good soil. That would be us, right? We're here. That would, that would be us. We are the good soil. Well, I think a better read is we're the whole agricultural landscape. Because the truth of it is, none of us. None of us trust the gospel all the time. 
none of us get it right all the time. We are a people of belief and unbelief all at the same time. It's the prayer we offer every week. We believe, help our unbelief. The thing is, there is the gospel story in our lives, but there are other stories, too, that vie for, for prominence. There are other stories in our lives, other narratives, other ways of being that present themselves as wise, and we have to choose. All the time, we have to choose. A, f- a friend of mine, a friend of mine got sick. And he wasn't sure what course of treatment he should pursue. He had been given a recommendation from his physician. He said, you should have surgery. But he wanted a second opinion, and he asked me if I would come along as he got a second opinion. And the second physician said, oh, I I wouldn't do surgery. Conflicting wisdom. How do you choose? If I understand Jesus, he says a reality in our lives is that we live among conflicting wisdoms. There's a gospel voice and narrative and story, but there are other stories and narratives too, and they seem wise to us. We all have to choose the story that informs our understanding of what it is to to live the good life what it means to be a mature person. And there are multiple stories out there. Uh, Let me just give you just just one example. This may not even be the best example. It's just one example. Shadi Hamid is a writer and thinker, and in an article entitled America Without God, he, he speaks to the decrease of practice of faith in our country, that, that we're a minority now. Uh, there's no news in that. But what he says is he says, folks of secular persuasion had assumed and hoped that with a decline in religious fervor in the country, that, that what would emerge is a more rational public conversation, a more reasoned public life, and that with religion pushed aside, the passion and ideological talk would diminish. But Hamid says that the ideology and passion didn't go away, it just relocated. What used to be religious faith has been replaced with political faith. I would suggest that we might be living in a time where politics becomes religion for a lot of folks, and that the language of religion and ideology is attached to political views. He, 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 has, a, he has a point. We may let our politics paint the picture of moral life for us. We may let the market determine what the good life is for us. There are all kinds of narratives out there. And Jesus says, you know, some of them are weeds. Some of them are rock. We have to choose wisely 
to nourish the good soil. As a people of belief and unbelief, we need to be attentive to the competing narratives in our own lives, the competing priorities in our own lives, to determine in what ways do we actually welcome the teachings of Jesus, and in what ways do we hold them at bay. We all do. We're a people of belief and unbelief. Fred Craddock. Fred Craddock is a, was a teacher of preachers, and many would say he was the best preacher of his generation. He once said this. He said, in my late teens, in my late teens, I wanted to be a preacher. He said, in my late 20s, I wanted to be a good preacher. It's not the same. He said, now that I am older, I want more than anything else to be a Christian. I wonder if wanting to be Christian more than anything else takes some time, takes some attention. Because Christian life is, is always bigger than wherever we are right now. It's always further than wherever we find ourselves right now. It is always something to be pursued. A very long-running and popular television show is Grey's Anatomy. You probably have watched it. In one of the earlier seasons, there was a scene. Uh, Callie Torres, who was an orthopedic surgeon, she falls in love with Arizona Robbins, a pediatric surgeon. They want to get married, but their wedding gets called off, at least temporarily. Why? Well, there were two women who were wanting to get married at a time when it was still not legal. Callie's family was religious, Catholic, I think, if I remember correctly, and her father said he would not walk her down the aisle, and her mother told her her heart was breaking because her daughter would no longer be going to heaven. Callie found a preacher who was willing to do the ceremony, but he had an emergency at the last moment and couldn't come. It was the last straw. She fell apart. She said she couldn't go through with it. Their wedding wouldn't even be a real wedding. It was a sham. That's when Dr. Miranda Bailey, a general surgeon, stops by Callie's apartment to give her a typical Miranda Bailey talk. Here's what she had to say. You realize your door is unlocked. I could be anyone. I could be a burglar coming to burgle you. Where's the baby? Oh, I could be a baby napper trying to baby nap you. I know why they sent you, and it doesn't matter what you say. The wedding's still off. Your mom's right. It's a joke. It's not a wedding. It's not happening. Oh, okay. I can't have a priest. I no longer have a minister. I'm not being given away by my dad. The wedding isn't legal. What's the point? This isn't a wedding. It's not even in a church. It's nothing. It's just, it's a couple of girls playing dress up. <laughs> it's not real. It's not real. Okay, 
first of all, you do not need the law or a priest or your mother to make your wedding real. And, and the church is, the church can be anywhere you want it to be, in a field, on a mountain, you're right here in this room, anywhere. Because where do you think God is? Mm. <laughs> He's in you. He's in me. Just right here in the middle of us. Now, you, your church just hasn't caught up to God yet. Your mother, she hasn't caught up to God yet. And by the way, she may not ever catch up, but it's okay. Mm. It's okay. If you are willing to stand up in front of your friends and family and God and commit yourself to another human being, to, to give of yourself in that kind of partnership, for better or worse, in sickness and health. Honey, that is a marriage. That is real. And that's all that matters. Besides, girl, I got legally married to a man in a church. Look how well that turned out. <laughs> I love Miranda Bailey. She knows what Fred Craddock means more than anything else. I just want to be Christian. She says the church has not caught up to God yet. That's always true. That's always true. We haven't gotten there yet. You know, I look around, I look around this world that we're in these days and it feels like there are very few grown-ups in the world. We are tearing each other apart all the time. Seems like we're trying to get a PhD in seeing what's wrong with everybody else. We're an angry people. I don't know why we're so angry. We're an angry people. We're attacking one another on airplanes. Every day, there's stories of gun violence that are met with a shrug of the shoulders. Too many people are being left out of this economy. There are fires and storms that are making it clearer every day that the planet is sick. And people get outraged when a right is infringed, but there's no or little conversation about what our responsibilities to the common good should be. And those narratives are vying to define us. But what Jesus wants us to do is stand up and be public about being committed to one another, being committed to the common good, because those other narratives are weeds and rocky soil. But more than that, I think Dr. Bailey is right. I think we are always, every day, engaged in the work of trying to catch up to God because God has some dreams for us and for this world that we haven't realized yet. We're not our best self yet. We're, we're not our best community yet. So wisdom says every day we should be asking, how is it that we allow ourselves to be defined by the teaching of Jesus Christ? And where are we reluctant to embrace that? Because we're all a mixed bag. We're all the whole agricultural field 
Is my life being defined by the story of Jesus or is it being defined by some other narrative? Now, I make it sound easy, but it's not easy because all those narratives seem wise. And Jesus knew it would be hard. That's why he gave us this story. Every human life is shaped by story. Jesus wants ours to be shaped by his story and his life and his teaching. And to do that, we've all got some catching up to do, don't we? The good news? I am confident that Jesus has not given up on us or on all. So let's just do the best we know how to do this week to be some good soil, to let the story of Jesus shape us in every moment. And then let's come back next week and be reminded of the story again, the story that defines us, the story that is our life. It matters if we want to be people who are at least trying to catch up with God. Craddock said, now more than anything, I just want to be Christian. It may take some time to want that more than anything. But at times, we can. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.